Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio from a very far distance, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, before we get into the show, let's just get the elephant out of the room, shall we? The Bills fucking suck. Oh, wait. Sorry. No, we'll be talking about the Bills and a lot more sports topics in just a second. But just to clarify, because I know there is word going around social media, and I personally want to just take a second to thank everybody for checking in and giving the well wishes. The podcast community showed out big time. ODPH Society showed up big time. Uh, unfortunately, last week I tested positive for COVID. So we had to cancel one of last week's shows, and I've had to be in quarantine. So we weren't sure we are going to be able to pull everything off today. But by the graces of vaccines and boosters and clearance from the New York State uh, Department of Health, we are here, we are back in the studio, and we just can't wait to just start talking some sports with everybody. And I'll be honest, I walked in the room and we already got to replace a table. God damn it. Yeah, I know. I got a little super excited because when you're watching the football playoffs that are happening it's bound to you know spark some emotion spark everything going on maybe it was gcw the world on gcw too as well there's so much that we just got to talk about let's just get it out of the way now odphpodcast.com for everything post pre-show that you need from the odph panel we're talking blogs we're talking social media links we're talking the directory we're talking the classifieds the t public store and so much more odphpodcast.com Let's just jump right into it, shall we, Pat? This yeah. is a sports edition. This is the fucking ODPH podcast. Let's go. NFL playoffs. What a weekend it was. Possibly the greatest weekend of football ever? Question question mark? You have to think that it's it's in discussion. Uh-huh. You, you really do. Like, I don't think there's any way around it otherwise. No. You really have to kind of sit there and take a look at all four of these games and realize that this might never happen again. No. In the way that it did... So we need to break down the divisional week that was. So, Pad, kick us off. Yeah, so uh, we'll just go in order of the games and then the way they uh, were broadcast. So uh, we're starting on Saturday. And the first game was between the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Tennessee Titans, where you had the Bengals emerge victorious by the final score of 19-16. to 16. Uh, Joe Burrow, 28 of 37 for 348 yards passing. No touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, 15 of 24 for 220 yards passing, one touchdown with three interceptions. And, of course, we got a note. Uh, the Cincinnati offensive line decided to go the way of the McDonald's ice cream machine and not work at mm-hmm. all because Joe Burrow was sacked an uh, NFL tying, uh, NFL record tying nine times. It's a postseason record nine times. It's been done Four times, if I remember the stat I read correctly. Uh, you know, he was sacked nine times. And then you also had, I believe the gentleman's name, I'm looking, yep, Jeffrey Simmons of the Tennessee Titans on the defensive side came uh, one and a half sacks away from tying the NFL record for sacks in a game, which was four and a half. The one biggest takeaway I could have from this game is this was the worst one of the weekend. Yes. 
Both teams did not look like playoff teams. Nope. I will be the first one to say that. I thought the I agree with you. The Cincinnati offensive line looked atrocious. Uh huh. They couldn't keep Joe Burrow upright. The fact that he got off over three hundred yards, I call a minor miracle. Yeah. Because honestly, it didn't look like that. And he was definitely trying to do everything he could to win this game by himself. Yeah. And I applaud him for that because, you know, when we talk about Cincinnati, and I know we mentioned on the pre-show yeah. for the season this year, that if they stayed healthy, they could do some damage. Him and Jamar Chase is money. That is arguably one of the best quarterback-to-wide receiver combos in the league. Oh, yeah. This, this whole game just appeared to be shit. Jamar Chase is down there somewhere. Just chuck it and pray because he was getting plowed into the ground all day. Mm-hmm. Because Jamar Chase, uh, five catches, 109 yards, no touchdowns on six targets. Damn. Yeah. Uh, and also, you could say the same thing about T. Higgins. Like, shit, he's down there somewhere. Targeted nine times, caught seven of them for 96 yards, no touchdowns. Higgins is often forgot about because yeah, of how is. dynamic ch- Chase is. Yeah. But Burrow did what he needed to do, and this was win ugly. Yeah. And that's the easiest way you can describe this momentum for Cincinnati. This was an ugly win, but a gritty one for a young team. And you, I got to give Joe Burrow a lot of credit because he is young. It's only his second year, mm-hmm. year and a half in, if you want to get specific. At no point, and he would have been very... You know, it, it would have been okay for him to do this. He never lost his temper. He never threw a tablet. He didn't break shit. He didn't start screaming at guys, screaming at offensive coordinators, screaming at the offensive line coach, like, what the f- are we doing? No, nah, he just, hey, let's go back and go get it. He shows a lot of poise for a guy his age, and especially second year in the league. Uh huh. It's astonishing to me how, how just calm and cool he is. Because there's a lot to get rattled about. Obviously, the lack of offensive line protection would be something I would be screaming about this week. Yeah. And especially for a Tennessee defense that is very underrated, they were putting a lot of pressure on them. But in response, though, Ryan Tannehill had one of the ugliest performances I can remember seeing in the playoffs. Uh, He is who we thought he was. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. He got exposed because three interceptions – is a big deal. Uh-huh. And especially, you had Derrick Henry back, so we have to add that in. I mean, granted, was he 100%? No, but no. 20 carries, 62 yards, and a touchdown? I mean, it's that's a typical Derrick Henry stat line. Yep. For Tannehill, though, you needed to kind of match and just manage the game well. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And when you're not progressing the ball that way, you give a young team that is literally playing with house money. Like, yeah. let's, let's not forget about this. Cincinnati yeah. is not supposed to be here nope. yet. Not even this far in. No. So they don't care. No. They're playing with the most reckless abandon in all of the NFL right now. So when you see them have a gritty comeback win, yeah. and especially to win as late as they did, uh-huh. because the back-and-forth interceptions and turnovers that they were both doing – it was really ugly. I mean, there, there's no easy, set, great way to say it. It's just, it was. this was an ugly win, but uh-huh. this is something that if I'm Cincinnati, I can win ugly, and this is something I'm going to need to do if I want to get to the Super Bowl. And especially when they got to their kicker, uh, McPherson, who I love the quote that came out. Yo. That he did one warm-up kick and goes, yep, we're going to the AFC Championship. Well, in Christ, the video that came out, I think, from when he was in college yep. at Florida, where he's got the water bottle or whatever it is. It's not your average-sized water bottle. It's, a, it's maybe about a liter big. you know. So it's a decent-sized water bottle. But he's got it duct-taped on a railing some, in like some practice facility. And he just punt-kicks this thing towards it. And he doesn't hit the bottle, but he gets it close enough so that the football swings by it and knocks the cap off. Yeah. I'm seeing this video for the first time going, what the fuck? 
Yeah, Evan McPherson is no joke. I mean, I saw him when he was playing in Florida. The kid can kick, and he matches that swagger Burrow has. Uh-huh. The fact that he did one kick, and he literally turns to him and says, yeah, we're going. Like, and especially being in this situation on the road, yeah. facing the number one seed, and to go in there and steal the win is huge. That's a big confidence boost. I mean, like I say, if you can win ugly – that is something I think that is very beneficial for teams. Yeah, and the thing, too, is, is dude's a rookie. Like, if this is Adam Vinatieri, Justin Tucker, Robbie Gold, you know, maybe even Gotzkowski, I'd be like, all right, yeah, they're warranted. But, like, for a rookie to come in and go, no, yeah, we got this. I'm like, that's some cojones on you, sir. Oh, absolutely. And it's completely deflating to Tennessee. Oh, Abs- yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, now, Pad, you got to take a look at their offseason. What has to change? I would say probably because your running your running game is good. I think maybe you know get somebody else in there as a backup running back just in case Henry goes down again because we know with these running backs once you get one injury they start piling up two three four. Foreman did okay though. Foreman did all right, you know, but still, if there's somebody else out there who's better than Foreman, I would definitely take a look at it. You're good on the wide receiver core now. I don't know anybody's contract statuses, but AJ Brown had 142 yards, uh, one touchdown in this game. Julio Jones had uh, 62 yards, no touchdowns in this game. So. Receiving core, you're good. Maybe a tight end, you know, because you did lose your tight end too. Uh, yeah, who'd they lose their tight end to again? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right, New England. So def- I would look at maybe a tight end, and then maybe take a look at the offensive line. You know, just get get some things going there. And I would also take a hard and serious look at quarterback because Ryan Tannehill just cannot get it done for you in the big game situations. You need that quarterback to get you up to the next level, into the next round of the playoffs, and you know to you know loosely quote you know that one quote. He is who we thought he was. We thought he was. I agree. I think that that actually, I'll flip it. I think that that's the first thing they should take a look at. You're going to need to upgrade quarterback position. You take a look at the past two seasons, and I hate putting a blame on somebody specific because this is a team sport. Mm-hmm. But Tannehill's mistakes have shined, unfortunately. Well, I think during these two playoff games, the the last year when they eliminated by Baltimore. This yeah, this year I think you can absolutely put on Tannehill wasn't last year the year that it was like feed Henry the damn ball and like that like Tannehill had like less than 20 attempts right Wasn't that last year so like last year I I don't really think you can put it on Tannehill that's just more the fact that they got so one-dimensional everyone figured it out and they're like all right yeah we know what to do this year I think you can absolutely put it on Tannehill because Henry wasn't there for most of the year so you really come down to it it's 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 on Tannehill right but especially when you got to manage the game especially when you have the lead going in late you need to, you know, have enough common sense of just not going for a big play, being careful with the ball, and keeping a drive moving. I mean, this is easy for us to say at home. We're not playing the game. But we've seen this happen time and time again with Tannehill. So this is a question now. In the offseason, do you go get a replacement or do you go get one in the draft? That's going to be the biggest question, I think, for Tennessee. Because clearly, unfortunately, he's not the guy. He's, no. had, a, he's had a great comeback. Don't get me wrong. He had a great resurgence since he came back from uh, the knee issues he's had from Miami. So I'm not saying that, okay, he can't be serviceable, but I think his days of being a starter and leading you to the promised land of the Super Bowl right. 
is, are sadly gone. Well, I'm looking at courtesy of Spotrack.com, uh, the list of NFL free agents, and get some notable names that jump out there. Obviously, Ben Roethlisberger is a free agent, but let's face it, he's done and retired. Fitzmagic is going to be a Fitzpatrick is going to be a free agent there uh, in this coming off season. You've also got Andy Dalton, Cam Newton, Tyrod Taylor, Jameis Winston, Jacoby Brissett, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, Joe Flacco, Maserati, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, just to name a few, uh, there are other folks, but none of them are jumping out at me like, oh my God, get that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are some names, but again, to me, it feels much in the same way of Ryan Tanhill is that like, they're great and they're a bridge to get to your next guy, but you got to go out and get somebody in the draft. I agree. So that's the biggest thing I think Tennessee is going to need to do. Otherwise, I just unfortunately feel they're going to be stuck in this position. That uh-huh. First round and done. Yeah. I mean, or second round and done. I mean, now we're going to look at it. They are going to need more consistent play a quarterback to get them over the hump if they really want to make a run to the Super Bowl. Yeah. But Cincinnati is going to be waiting uh, for the winner of a game we were going to talk a little later, but let's flip it over to the NFC now. So next up on the docket. Yeah, so this was the uh, later game on Saturday, and this was between the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers, where you had the San Francisco 49ers emerge victorious by the final score of 13-10. to 10. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, 19, or excuse me, 11 of 19 for 131 yards passing, no touchdowns, one interception. A.A. Ron Rodgers, 20 of 29 for 225 yards passing, no touchdowns or interceptions. Uh, Gotta note, this game ended much in the way the first one did uh, with a game-winning field goal by the fucking biggest cojones dude in the NFL, uh, Robbie Gold. Because this man was practicing his kicks over the Green Bay Packers while they were doing their intros. Mm-hmm. And then a video came out, I believe it was on Sunday the next day. He did the same goddamn thing in Dallas a week ago in between the cheerleaders with like less than five feet on either side of him. This man fears nothing. Robbie Gould is one of the best kickers in the league. He yeah, doesn't he get is. talked enough about. No. And you know what? He has no love loss for Green Bay. I can't imagine why. Former Bear. I know. Yes, I know. I know. One of the few bright spots in Chicago's offense in recent years. Yeah. But you have to take a look at this game, and it boils down to one area, and that's special teams. Yeah. Green Bay sucks there. Yeah, they do. There's no other way to say it. It, it. And it's weird to say because for a lot of years it's been like, oh, hey, the offense is there, and the, and the de- but the defense sucks, and like special teams that just never get mentioned because, hey, when I think uh, Green Bay special teams, I just think Mason Crosby. Crosby's not that bad. You know, but wow, yeah, that special teams is huge. Well, and they came out glaring in this, and this is where you have the biggest spotlight on you is the playoffs. Uh huh. So when they make mistakes, they looked absolutely terrible. Yeah. And if you take a look at how the end of that first half went with the blocked field goal, yep, that was a little indication, I think, of what was to come because uh-huh. Aaron Rodgers played one of the worst games I think I've seen Aaron Rodgers play. Yeah, he had a, uh, a rating of passer rating of ninety one point nine, but then a QBR of nineteen point four. Yeah, yikes! It's it's nothing really to brag about, especially for a guy that is a Hall of Famer. He's an MVP candidate every year. He's a Hall of Famer, but for me, in that like tier list you you put in your head of like elite, at you know serviceable or like whatever you want to call it like the night you know so like you got the Brady's and the Mannings and the and the Favs are like at that top tier list. You got the next step down. I'm starting to consider moving Rodgers down on the list because you're great in the regular season, but in the postseason, what the fuck have you done for me since you won the Super Bowl? And I'm sorry, Packers fans, but arguably you won that Super Bowl because of your defense. Mm-hmm. Nothing Rodgers has done. Rodgers has had some phenomenal postseason moments. You know, the one playoff game against Arizona comes to mind. Yeah. But what the fuck have you done for me lately? I know 
San Francisco has been your biggest, you know, mountain you can't summit. You know, in that there was a quote, whatever, one of one of the matchups it was in the playoffs where you lost to them, where Roger said, you know, we got to get one of these games back in Green Bay where it's a whole different animal and it's and it's 20 to below zero out and it's snowing and that'll really get it in our favor. Well, you got that opportunity. It was at or below zero by kickoff and you still couldn't do it. It's the one puzzling thing that all the signs pointed for Green Bay to absolutely just route the 49ers. Yeah. And I understand the history. Rodgers has never defeated the 49ers. But still, this team, the number one seed in the NFC, was supposed to do a lot of damage. The fact they struggled was very telling. The fact their special teams looked atrocious, uh-huh. that was telling. Jimmy G, I thought, played okay considering the conditions he was in. Yeah. Because, let's face it, when we're looking at Garoppolo playing, are we expecting him to match... Pass for pass with an Aaron Rodgers. No, but I'm expecting more than what he's given. I am too, but I thought that he played okay for what he did up there. Like, and like I said, my bar was very low for him to go in here with. Right. But thankful for him, he has Debo Samuel. That's true. That does help a lot. Because Debo bailed him out a lot of times. There were some clutch runs. Like I said, his 10 carries for 39 yards might not seem like a lot, but when he needed clutch yards, yep. Debo bailed him out. Oh, yeah. So... You really have to take that into perspective as well, that he could not get anything going pretty much with that offense. I mean, Kittle was only held four catches, 63 yards. Yeah. That's not going to be anything good. But Samuel, three catches, 44 yards, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And for a Green Bay defense that literally had that 49ers offense stifled the entire game. Right. The second half, it was just they found up a way to get some points on the board that I don't think that they were ready for. And I don't want to say it was a situation where – the Packers took them too lightly, but yeah, you kind of have to think yeah. they did. Yeah, I think I think you definitely have to look at it and you know listen for Jimmy G. It's a great win, you know, and they're moving on to the NFC Championship game. This motherfucker's got to perform at some point in the playoffs because holy fuck, I didn't realize I was didn't realize how bad he is in the playoffs mm-hmm. until I was watching a clip on first take and this got brought up on first take this morning. But in uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's postseason career, so this is six games played. Mm-hmm. He has 64 completions on 102 attempts, which is good for a 62.7 percentage. 730 yards passing. He averages 7.2 yards per pass, uh, 121.7 yards per game. Two touchdowns, five interceptions, and he's been sacked eight times. Ew. Like the, I believe, if I remember the stat correctly, the San Francisco 49ers are like, oh, it's like the yeah, fourth or fifth team in NFL history to go, like, or no, ninth, ninth, it's ninth team in NFL history to win two playoff games without an offensive touchdown because <laughs> they haven't scored an offensive touchdown yet this uh, postseason. Yeah, that's a very telling sign. I mean, the fact they're just kind of sneaking by here and doing it. You're, you're getting lucky because you got by Dallas because they had a brain fart mm-hmm. and they forgot the rules. And then you got by Green Bay by, let's face it, luck. It's luck, but you know sometimes that's what wins you your games. Like I say, it's an ugly win. But their defense really picked up a lot of slack. Like I said, the special team stops they had. And obviously, you know, keeping Green Bay in check, the fact that they did not get any real points off. Uh That's a true testament to the 49ers' defense because I did not suspect this was going to happen at all. No. But I was definitely showing up here because for the 49ers, we knew they had a quiet defense. They don't really have a lot of household names. 
they did what they needed to do. Oh, yeah. And with Robbie Gould going in there, giving him a very strong leg, and like I say, he was so calm. Biggest fucking cojones in the NFL, not named Justin Tucker. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing. He was so calm about everything going on that it's like, how could you sit there and question him? And that's something that they needed to have because that offense really wasn't scaring anybody. Like I said, I thought Jimmy G played okay considering, but it was, my, like, it, was it was okay for what they had to do. Yeah. But against the Kansas City or against the Rams, it ain't going to fucking do shit. No. You're, you're going to get smoked. Well, I think that's something that they have to be extremely worried about now. Uh-huh. That I think that if, if they're not, they're looking at a whole world of trouble right now. And that's and something that they're going to have to figure out in a week. Because yeah. if Jimmy G plays this badly against the Rams, yeah, like the Rams are just on a different level right now. Mm-hmm. So for Green Bay, who I think took them too lightly, and this is one of the situations where you're a better team, you should have showed up. You let a guy who played adequately, and I only stress this because my bar is not high for Jimmy G to begin with. Mine's not either, and he's a former Patriot. Right. He has just not shown anything here, but I thought he managed the ship just well enough. I mean, this is almost like he'd be better off playing in Indianapolis. Like, that's how slow and steady he was playing. Yeah. He found a way to beat Aaron Rodgers. And now the question now shifts to Green Bay. Yeah. Uh huh. How's your offseason looking? Uh, fucking ugly because they're like forty or fifty million over the salary cap, and they've got a bunch of free agents. Good luck, folks. And I think I'll, for, I'll pull up the stats here. And I think first and foremost, Aaron Rodgers is gone. I don't think there's any question. He's 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 good as gone. Where he winds up will be the million, or should I say, millions dollar question. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Well, I think that if Green Bay is smart. They send him somewhere in the AFC. Well, uh, no, the thing of it is, is that Green Bay ain't going to have to send him anywhere. It's because of the way he worked his deal out. He's a free agent. See, I've been going back and forth about this. Okay, so he is a free agent. The way I was talking about it with a guy at work who, I'll be honest, probably knows more about free agency than I do. The, he worked it out in that specific way that, like, win, lose, or draw, no matter what, after the season, he would be, be a free agent. And I got the numbers pulled up. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are second to last in the NFL in terms of cap space. Uh, the only ones ahead of them are the New Orleans Saints, who are set almost $77 million over the cap. Mm-hmm. Green Bay is just about $38.5 million over the cap. Uh, and so you've got all those issues, but then you've also got the fact that you have uh, Devontae Adams is a free agent. They've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. 24 guys who are going to be free agents this year, including the likes of Devontae Adams, uh, Malik Taylor, one of their wide receivers, Alan Lazard, and Marquez, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. On top of Rodgers. So you've got 24 freaking free agents. Three of them are wide receivers. Your quarterback's potentially walking out the door. Oh, by the way, you're $40 million over the cap. Well, let's face it. I mean, Rodgers Rodgers is gone. See, I know I was going back and forth with a few people because I was not 100% sure about that dealings because I know. I want to say he's a free agent. Yeah, that's why I thought so too. But, you know, like obviously that's why we say hit us up at hashtag ODPHpod if you have the clarification. But we're going on the basis that he is a free agent. He's because he's gone. I mean, the ideal landing spot I think would be Minnesota for him. Just as, you know, for a team that's ready to win now. You know where I think he's going to end up? Pittsburgh. No. Hmm. Denver. See, a lot of people are saying that. There's some dude that I forget who that, like, there's rumors that he's going to get signed to be the head coach that, like, Rodgers is supposed to be good with or, like, supposed to be friendly with. And Denver makes a lot of sense. 
They do make a lot of sense. I mean, that's the one. They've wild. also got the sixth most. Uh, they're also sixth in the NFL in terms of cap space. They've got forty-four point eight million dollars in cap space. Hackett. Ah, uh, that's it. Yeah, that's the guy. Shout out to Brody uh, Sports Talk. They were the ones that were uh, talk, giving me the update about that. So definitely, I mean, if you're not listening to them, you should definitely listen to them. Fantastic sports podcast. Is it would make sense there because if they're willing to really build a contender quick. Sure, but like, is I guess the way I look at it is like, is unless Denver is ready to go now, I think Rodgers wants to go someplace a la Pittsburgh, right? That he can just waltz in and guess what? You're an instant playoff team. Yeah. So I'm looking at his contract on Spotrack.com. Uh, he does so. He's on a four-year, hundred and thirty-four million dollar deal. So technically, he is supposed to play in 2022, but there is an opt-out. Oh, okay. So me thinks he's walking out that damn door. Oh, I think he's he's as good as gone. I mean, like, I, I've always had that feeling. I mean, we talked about this numerous times. Him and the GM don't mix. No. And one has to go. And especially, he's not. He's already put it out there publicly, and you can definitely tell him. I'm not sitting here for a rebuilding year. Oh, yeah. So which, he, which is part of the reason I think he might not go to, go to Pittsburgh is just Pittsburgh, yeah, you got a running game, and yeah, you've got a couple of okay receivers, but it ain't much different than where you were in Green Bay. But I think that he trusts that if he said to Pittsburgh, I'm going, yeah. they would get a team ready for him by oh, the time he oh, got yeah. there. Like, that's... I think that that's where he's looking because I think in, in his opinion and perception is reality, Green Bay is really not giving you that 100% warm, fuzzy vibes that we're going to be back next season. No. That's, that's just how it's coming across to me I, as a fan, and I'm not even a yeah, Packers fan. And I, and I hate to say it to Packers fans, but your days of running the NFC North, I think, are going to be very quickly behind you because you've got Minnesota, who's not that not that bad. You've got Chicago, who potentially could make a turnaround here if they make a few right moves. And then you've got Detroit. Like Aaron Rodgers does a lot for you and wins a lot of those games for you. Take Rodgers out, and what have you really got? Jordan Love. Yeah. And jury remains to wait and see about that. Uh-huh. But Green Bay is going to have one of the most puzzling off-seasons coming up this year, so we'll have to keep an eye on them. And for San Francisco, well, you have a date with L.A. Good fucking luck, Which I don't like your odds. They do not look like they're in your favor. Because why, Pat? Let's break it down. Uh, Yeah, so that was the first game up on the Sunday docket of games uh, where L.A. Rams took on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Rams almost gave the damn game away by the final score of 30-27. to Matthew Stafford, 28 of 38 for 366 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Tom Brady, 30 of 54 for 329 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And uh, I'm just going to say it now. 2016 Patriots, better than the 2021 Bucks. Facts. Patriots made that comeback. Just say it was a one-point differential. 27-3, 28-3. Pats made that comeback. Just saying. You know, this game almost felt storybook-esque. I, I was sitting there watching this game, and my mom texted me, and my mom is not one to watch football. But mm-hmm. she heard about her, found out about him, turned on the game. And she goes... I don't want, she told me, I don't want the Buccaneers to win, but it looks like they might. And I replied to her, go, I've seen this before. I go, I thought they were going to because I've seen that look in Brady and I've seen that whole, he gets down like this. I go, he's been here before. He can do it. Mm -hmm. The one thing that the Rams did, and they really show their inexperience. Uh Uh-huh. And what I mean by that is I understand about Sean McVay has been to a Super Bowl. I understand that the majority of this team is seasoned. Sure. They're not rookies. Sure. Matt Stafford played an impeccable game. Yeah, he played good. He played the game that he needed to play, and 366 and two touchdowns is the game that he needed to do. Yeah. And, and like, 
you can say whatever you want about him. If you get him on the field and you keep him healthy, he will get he will keep you in every game. Uh huh. They came out swinging, and I think Tampa Bay was not ready for them. Yeah. In any kind of way, shape, or form. The fact no. that the fact that they let Cooper Cup run crazy on them. Uh, Cooper Cup targeted 11 times, caught nine of them for 183 yards, averaged 20.3 yards a catch with only one touchdown. I mean, let's face it. He's in the MVP conversation. He has he, to be. He has like has he, to be. He puts up the numbers. Like I said, he's not flashy, but goddamn, the Tri- triple crown receiver winner in catches, yards, and touchdowns. But then also came like a sneeze shy of breaking Calvin Johnson's yards in a season record. Yeah, like the kid can ball. Like that's the one thing. He he's not somebody that's going to grab headlines like OBJ. Well, and fuck, but uh, I don't think he wants to. And and this is the scary thing is he's doing this and they're doing this without Robert Woods. Yeah, can you imagine if they had Robert Woods there with him? What the fuck? Well, you know, if they had Woods there, OBJ wouldn't be there. That's true. Like the, you, that's true. You kind of have to say they're they're almost you know interchangeable and they're as far as their athletic ability. Like that's and honestly, like when I see yeah. them play, I see a lot of similarities. In I'll the give game. you that. But for Stafford, they did everything right that first half, except the fumble late by Acres on the goal line yeah. near the end of the first half. Yeah, like that was the only thing they did wrong. Yeah. But the, the, the Rams tried everything they could to give this game away. Well, they did because once Tom Brady, and I'll give the devil his due. I hate saying this, but listen, he's the GOAT. We we acknowledge this. You give him time, he will go and find a way to get you back. Uh-huh. And it's weird luck. It's, yeah. you know, it's like those TV commercials where somebody's like, you know, extra round, a sprinkler system goes oh, yeah. off, you know, yeah. like. yeah. I don't care how you wanted to find it, the Tom Brady experience, like whatever you wanted to measure it up for. If you give him enough time and you get him the ball back for reasons, yeah, yeah, he finds ways to kill you. It, well, and I and I and I was foolish and almost counted him out because there was that pass late. It was like a fourth down, late in the fourth, and he just threw it in the middle of the field, and nobody was within ten yards of this damn. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and I went, he doesn't have it. You know, he's he's at the end. He just doesn't have it. He, You know, the Rams' defense is just playing too good. The Rams are going to beat him. And then he went ahead and he threw that dime to Mike Evans in the end zone, you know, late in the fourth quarter. And I went, son of a bitch, he got me. I was wrong. I will say this, though. You remember when Peyton was on his last legs? Uh-huh. And he started falling off? Yep. I'm not saying I saw that happen here. I've seen it. But I've seen the starts. Uh-huh. And I think that... yeah. Yeah, I've I've noticed that too. That he, he now, granted, he, he is never outside of the 2007 season, but a deep ball thrower. He mm-hmm. can he can throw him, but like you know, not as often as you might think. But he can't throw the deep balls that much anymore. And I've been saying that for a couple of seasons. Right, but this game really yeah. exposed it. Like it yeah. wasn't enough that it was detrimental to getting a win. Yeah, but it's something that. Well, and I and I think the thing that hurt him especially was the fact that Godwin wasn't there because what's the one thing? Oh yeah. What's the one thing he's always had, no matter where he's played, well, the two places he's played, you know, that has really helped him. It's been the Wes Welker, the Julian Edelman, the Dion Branch. He's had a great number three. He's had a great number three. He's had a great, you know, he's always had at least one guy who can go down the field decently, mm-hmm. you know. But then he's always had that guy who's like middle of the field, make the catch. He didn't have that with Godwin. You know, yeah. Gronkowski's great and all, but, like, he's he was busy blocking Von Miller a bunch of that game. You know, and Evans is great and all, but, like, he's not a middle-of-the-field guy. He's he's not a run-out five yards and cut back in. No, and Scotty Miller's a two, not a three, like, yeah. in, in my opinion. Like, 
I mean, you, like you touched upon with Welker and Edelman, like you could say they're borderline twos. Yeah, you you could really say they're border. I always oh, yeah. treat him as a three though. Like that's oh, how yeah. I've always oh, seen yeah. him play. Yeah. But when but you hit it right on the head. Like he was definitely missing that security blanket yeah. wide receiver that he's always had. Yeah, because he couldn't use Gronkowski as much as he wanted to. Because like I said, Gronkowski was blocking Von Miller a bunch of that game. Yeah, and when you have to step up to block Aaron Donald too, who was having his way, <laughs> like. This was a situation that Brady did what Brady does. Yeah. I mean, but you did start to see some weaknesses start showing up. Like uh-huh. I said, I'm not writing him off and saying that he's done, but I think Father Time was starting to make a footprint. I think he retires after this. After it's all said, but now he hit, now he has come out and said that oh, I'm going to take some time and thought and, and before I make a decision, and that's smart because I don't think he's going to do like A Rod did the one year in the World Series and announce what he was going to do with his contract future. Mm. I don't think he's going to pull that shit, but I think Brady is going to retire just because you think back, you know, he's always talked about how his wife Giselle hates seeing him go out there and seeing him get hit and seeing him get hurt. You go back and you see some of the clips of that game. You know she wasn't exactly worried or concerned about any of that game. That like she was just kind of laissez-faire, like lackadaisical, like oh yeah, whatever. But I also think back to when he was in, or, or when he left New England, that it you know it was kind of like out of the blue. Like he put out that ad on the Super Bowl where everyone was like, oh shit, he's coming back. Mm-hmm. You know he's he's coming back. And then it, oh surprise, he's going to Tampa Bay. We didn't find out until after he left that he would already made the decision to leave. Yeah. The report came out on Sunday morning that, you know, he's strongly considering retirement and that if the Bucks were to go back to back and win the Super Bowl, that it would have made the decision a lot easier for him. Listen, it would not surprise me if he comes back another year because, let's face it, he's the Michael Jordan of the NFL. He will find ways to get himself motivated, and he will come up with ways, no matter how convoluted or bizarre they are in his head, to get him motivated. It would not surprise me if he comes back another year. But in my heart, as a Patriot fan who's watched him for two decades, I think he retires. I think after this game, and this was such a heartbreaking game for him because, let's face it, he led them back, and if it wasn't for that last-minute field goal, which kudos to Stafford for getting the guys downfield oh, yeah. in a hurry to kick that. I mean, this is going to be another Tom Brady you know, magical comeback, and you know the saga continues. Uh, Stafford uh, did what the Cowboys couldn't. No. He got that playoff in a record amount of time without doing a QB sneak. Uh-huh. Sorry, Cowboys fans. We just got to say that. Yeah. But this is another situation where now taking a look at that offseason, you're right. I mean, Tom Brady, I honestly don't know what he's going to do. There's two rules of thumb, I think. One, I think that he's done. Yeah, because that team is going to look very different. Yes. From, you know, they, they lucked out this year where they returned every starter from offense and defense to this side of the ball. That is not going to be the case this, off, this upcoming offseason just because it's just to name a few. Chris Godwin, Jason Pierre-Paul, Ndamukong Sue, Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, O.J. Howard, Ronald Jones II, and Richard Sherman, Giovanni Bernard are all free agents this upcoming offseason. Yeah, I, that's what I say. Plus the fact that you're more than likely going to lose Byron Leftwich to the Jacksonville job because he's a finalist for that job I read the other day. Good. You know, you're going to lose your offensive coordinator. You know, your head coach Arians has said he's coming back. Well, Arians, I mean, what else is Arians going to do? I mean, because, yeah. like, let's face it, this Tampa Bay team was put together on short notice. Yeah, and you knew it was going to be a short window. You, there, Yeah, the window is very small. I think Arians knows this as well, too, but if Tom goes and he goes... What are you leaving that franchise with? 
at least with Arians there, they can set up something for yeah. the future. And yeah. that's and that's something that I think they need to look at. Brady at this situation is either he does one of two things. Like, one, he's gone, yep. and he rides off in the sunset. And you know what? I don't blame him if he, if he does. No. The only other thing I could see him doing possibly is publicly saying – Next season's it. That wouldn't surprise me either. Right. And just, he gets the farewell tour. You give him the flowers while you can smell them and just let him go. And then win, lose, draw, whatever happens next year is done. That I see is another strong possibility. In fact, that's what I'm going to lean he does. Now, would I be super shocked though if he retired? No. Because like, let's face it, what else has he done? And if he knew that this was his best window to get back there, and it was, What's the point of sticking around if it's going to be rebuilding? Yeah. And you're going to be rebuilding. Like, that's one thing about Tampa Bay. Like, this is not going to be the same team next season like uh, Pat was talking about. You're going to have to restructure everything. Are you willing to sit there at age 44? No, he'll be 45 by the time the next season starts. So, like I say, at at that stage, why? You know, and and there's no shame in leaving now. And they've all, and they've only got fourteen million dollars, almost fifteen million dollars in cap space. Yeah, I mean, could you win the NFC South again? Sure. Yeah. I mean, Carolina's not a threat. Atlanta, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? And then the Saints he, need a head coach. Which, let's face it, that team is a lot different without Sean Payton there. Exactly. I don't. I don't care who they got piece wise. Michael Thomas and you know mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara. So they're great, but that that is not the same offense if Sean Payton ain't there. Yes. Because, like we say, without uh, New Orleans as a serious threat, you have – who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? Thank you. I know I jumped the gun there. I was so happy to be back on the air. I just I slipped my mind. But this is a situation for Tampa Bay, though, in all honesty, that they needed to win now. Yeah. They're not going to. And like I said, I think I think Brady is going to either do the farewell tour or he's gone now. And just I'm, I, see, I could see that, but I'm, I'm leaning retirement because I guess the man has a podcast or some shit. And he, he's I, not in Apocalypse. I don't recognize it. <laughs> He did bring up that, like, he did bring up Kobe because I guess he and Kobe were close, and that mm. like tomorrow isn't promised, and this and that. So like, just the way he's talking, and it could just be him layering everything up and buttering everybody up, just so you know, the red herrings and all that. But just the way and the way everything's going down, I think he's retiring. Yeah, and definitely, you know, he's earned that right. So we'll have to kind of wait to see what he does. But for those LA Rams, I'm happy for Matt Stafford. Oh, I am too. Like, if there's anybody I can root for in this whole playoff series now. It's Stafford. I don't root for the Rams, but I root for him. Oh, absolutely. That, kid, that he is literally gave everything to the city of Detroit. Uh-huh. Detroit fans are ecstatic he's there. Saw the one video of that, yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, that's what you want for a guy that literally left, gave you all, everything he had. Uh-huh. And he never complained, I'm in Detroit, I need to get traded, blah, blah, blah. No, he's stuck there. He stayed there until basically you had to move him. And you know what, I'm just, I'm super happy that he's winning. Um so it'll be an interesting uh, NFC Championship game, but we'll talk about that a little later in the show. But <sighs> all right, Pad, I, I know we were good. we got to peel the bandaid off here. Yes, we do. So this was the last game and possibly the greatest game of the weekend. Uh, this was for in the AFC between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, which went uh, the Kansas City Chiefs' way by the final score forty-two to thirty-six. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Mahomes thirty-three of forty-four for three hundred and seventy-eight yards passing. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Josh Allen, 27 of 37 for 329 yards passing. Four touchdowns, no interceptions. And the thoughts, views, and opinions are that of Ken M. And do not necessarily reflect that of the ODPH. Listener discretion is advised. The Bills only have the Bills to blame for this one. I'm sorry. 
the defensive schemes that were happening here were atrocious in the first half. The fact that there was no pressure and tackling on Mahomes, who was running to the outside to keep drives alive, is ridiculous. I was having shades of the Eli Manning, David Tyree throw. Yeah, like I'm not gonna lie, the way he's scrambling and nobody can tackle him, I'm like, this dude's looking like Eli Manning in the Super Bowl. The fact that he had 69 yards rushing. Uh huh. Patrick Mahomes, 69 yards rushing with a healthy Clyde Edwards-Hilaire back. Yeah, he was the lead rusher. Yep. Okay, do we not understand the problem with this, especially with the Bills being the number one defense in the league? Uh huh. I I'm sorry, like the fact that this game was as one-sided as it was in the first half, and I, I know the score said 14-14, but let's be honest. The Chiefs were running away with it literally in the first half. Uh-huh. The Bills scrapped, though, because let us I'm, I'm you can call this a homer call. You can call this whatever you want. Josh Allen is the truth. He is that good because he willed his way to get the guys back in the game. He literally did everything he physically could oh, yeah. to lead them back. Well, like, him and him and Gabriel Davis, too, have a fucking game, why don't you? Eight catches, 201 yards, four touchdowns, which was an NFL postseason record. Yeah. I mean, Gabriel Davis. And the one thing, too, is everybody's going like, well, where has he been? He's the fourth option. Yeah. Like, this is something that people forget about because we have Stefan Diggs, who was getting double teamed out everywhere he went Uh, six targets uh, three catches only seven yards yeah he had one of the more atrocious games on record but it wasn't his fault because he was so stacked and double teamed what was he going to do literally i am that's true but at the same time i feel like if he he wants to be the number one guy that like he is the guy you got to be able to break through that and separate it like that's where that's where the no that's like where the true number ones and the true top receivers separate themselves from like the next tier. Well, I think though he was getting so triple double and triple teams. like, he couldn't do anything, but that's why you had Davis <laughs> step up. Right. Like if you take a look at it, there are three top wide receivers or receiving uh, on that day, <coughs> Gabriel Davis, 201 yards, Cole yep. Beasley, 60 yards, yep. Devin Singletary, 25 yards. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to know who the hell was in charge of covering Gabriel Davis because yo, you suck. Well, you know, the thing about it is once Tyrone Matthew went out with a head that's, injury, that's true. They took full advantage. Like this is something you do. Like, I'm, right. I'm, 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 you know, I'm not saying like they bills did anything illegal, but let's face no, it. No, no, I know. And I agree with you. It's just, there were multiple plays where like, if it was like one or two catches that like he was wide open, I get it. I'm like, all right, that's just the case of a guy who doesn't know how to cover him and just ain't used to it. But it was damn near every catch he made. Yeah, no, that's the whole thing about it. That they did not respect Davis. They were too worried about Stefan Diggs getting the ball. Like he made that they left him wide open. He made the second one, and I'm like, all right, they're gonna start covering him more. They might even throw a second guy over in the next area. Nope. No, because they were too worried about Diggs. See, that's the one thing about him being the number one. Like, I understand your point, though, about him. He needed to produce more. I get that. But Kansas City shifted so much of their defense on one guy that the number four stepped up and got the ball. This yeah. is this was a wild scenario. I yeah. mean, you could say number three, but I, I'm sorry. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is technically the number two. So, like, listen, in the... One catch, the, 16 yards. Yeah, exactly. But he was a non-factor. So, like I say... But on paper, he is Davis is the number four, and this is what he did. And he took full advantage because when the Bills retook the lead, 29-26 to with a minute 54 left in the game, uh-huh. Kansas City came right down and answered him with a t- touchdown. So it was 33-29. to Yep. 
Then the Bills came back, found Davis again, 13 seconds left. Uh-huh. And this is the play that I'm sorry. This is what we need to focus on, Pat. And you and sure. I are, are in agreement about this. Yep. And I have no sympathy about this. Nope. Like, as a fan, I'm angry about this. 13 seconds left. You hit Davis with that touchdown. Uh-huh. Place is going wild. I'm getting messaged at home. And then people are screaming over, over, over. And I'm like, it's uh-huh. not over. Not with Patty Mahomes. Everybody got to calm down. Like, you know, like, thankfully I was recovered enough yeah. from uh, having COVID that I was not, like, delusional about this. Yeah. Then I'm like, the game is not over. No. Like, no. I don't know what everybody else is watching, but I know what I'm watching. 13 seconds left in this game. Uh-huh. Why in God's name are we kicking deep instead of squib kicking? Because a squib kick, the timer, the clock automatically starts. Deep kick, it don't. Squib kick, you probably would have knocked off five, six, seven seconds off that clock. Easily. And it would have been a lot harder for Mahomes to do what he did with but six, seven fewer seconds. So if he only had, you know, five, six seconds, it's a lot harder. I don't care how many timeouts they had. It's a lot fucking harder. They would have one shot. Now, granted, I get the risk is is that you start them at the 40 or it goes out of bounds at the 50 or that somebody returns. That's a risk you have to take. You roll that dice. Because I'm sorry, Patty Mahomes is lethal from no matter what side of the field he is on. I would rather, and he is in the Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning level of you cannot leave this man anytime under over 10 seconds because he will burn your ass. And that's exactly what he did. And I know the Bills fans, and we're going to get to this in a second. I know the Bills fans are moaning and groaning about the overtime. We'll get to this. Oh, I'm not. We'll get to this in a minute. But the fact that you're supposed to be the number one ranked defense in the NFL, and you gave up 552 yards of offense. Now, granted, I get it's the Kansas City Chiefs, and they're not the Chiefs they were at the start of the season. But still, if you're the number one defense in the NFL, fucking play like it. And if you're the number one defense in the NFL, how in the fuck did you let Kelsey get that wide open in the middle of the field? It's not like he was at the sidelines trying to get out of bounds so they could stop the clock and not waste the timeout. Nah, dude was in the middle of the damn field with a giant Vegas sign going, Hi, I'm open. The problem was... And this is the only. This is my interpretation. McDermott and Frazier both thought we kick it deep, we can hold them. But what they failed to realize is when we're playing the video game, going back and forth, and look how many points were scored within two minutes. Twenty-five, I believe. Okay. Football is a physical game, is yep. it not? Yes, it is. There's a lot of very, very athletic people that are running a hundred-yard sprints now. You need to give them time to recover. What they thought is the team was still could dig it out and find a way to make a stop down the field. However, though, this is where Patrick Mahomes, and I hate saying this, but it's true, though, and like you touched upon. Yeah. He's that seasoned of a playoff veteran. He didn't get rattled. And he basically had an idea of what to do in the right situation the Bills, in my opinion, got so caught up with emotion in, for those 13 seconds that they thought, well, we could just kind of go in there, and as long as we don't give up anything deep, we're fine. Well, that's the problem. 
that they left Kelsey wide open at yeah. center of the field. And and I know you brought it up, but the Bills' defense was gassed because I'm looking at the play-by-play. The last three and out that Kansas City had was with they punted with 10 minutes and 30, what is that, 38 seconds left in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. That was the last three and out they had for the rest of the game because after that, yeah, they had a couple of punts, but it was like there was like a seven play, you know, it was seven play punt. So like they had that. Let me see, they had that punt. After that touchdown, they had a missed field goal, but that was uh, six plays. Uh, that was right at the end of the uh, first half. Then they had a field goal, touchdown, punt, but that was again seven plays. Uh, then you had a field goal from Kansas City. Then you had the touchdown. Then you had the field goal. You had the, so. It wasn't like, oh, in that last punt, they were on the field for maybe a minute and a half, you yeah. know, a minute and a half of game time. You know, after that, it was very long extended period. So the fact that you're like, nah, our defense can hold yeah. when you couldn't stop a bloody fucking nose yeah. just shows how out of touch you were. That's the problem, that I think that they were feeling themselves a little too much. They got caught up in the moment, which, listen, I get. As a fan, I get that. But at the same time... You are paid professionals. You understand how this goes. Until the clock hits double, triple zeros, uh-huh. it, it ain't, ain't over. And even when it hits triple zeros, it ain't over. Hello, Cal Stanford. Exactly. So you need to sit there and close out. And the fact that you were gassed, Kelsey took advantage of that because he even said he broke route and ran. Yeah. And when he did that, nobody picked him up. Yeah. And that was the problem. that nobody They did not think that, you know what, we're just going to go completely off what was expected, and nobody made adjustments. And that's no. why they got him in this situation. They kicked the field goal. And then, listen, it's overtime. If the coin flip went the other way and the Bills scored, I'd be happy. But, I, you know, like I say, I understand what happened with Kansas City. Sure. I'm not mad about it. I, I'm not there screaming about the overtime rules. Because here's the thing. If the Bills were as good as they were, we, we should never have been in this situation to begin with. It sucks if you're a Bills fan, mm-hmm. obviously. And, I, and I, as a Bills fan, I know a lot of you are upset, and that's understandable. But I would say to this, like I do with the UFC, if you don't like, if you get to the end of a fight, three rounds, five rounds, title, non-title, whatever, you get to the end of the fight and it goes to the judge's scorecard and you don't like what the judge scored you, don't let it get to the fucking judge's scorecard. Yeah. Play better defense. And stop them more than once, and you don't have to worry about it going to overtime. Get a hell, not even the squid pick. Get a sack on Mahomes. Yeah. And the clock, don't stop. Hold the guy in bounds so he can't run out of bounds so the clock doesn't stop. And then you don't got to worry about going to overtime. Yeah, because, I mean, once they got that ball to Tyreek Hill, that was over. Yeah. Then they were gassed. Now, granted, I thought they should have called a taunting penalty on Oh, Tyreek I agree. Hill. I agree with you there. Like I said, there's no question about that. But then you leave Kelsey in the end zone, and then, like, they were gassed. They were they had nothing left in that tank. No. They were so demoralized after the overtime thing that it was nothing. So well, they, and, and I knew I knew they were, I knew it was over once Kelsey caught that touchdown or whatever it was, the touchdown uh, that tied it up. Mm-hmm. That tied it up late. You know, obviously Buffalo came back, but then you had the 13 seconds left and you had the, the game tying field goal. I'm like, that's it. Buffalo's done. Yeah. Like, you have done everything you can, and Allen has given you everything he can, and you just can't beat Kansas City. You've matched him, but you cannot beat him. They've broken you. Yeah. That, like, that is so demoralizing for a team to be up. With you know up three points with 13 seconds left and think you have it just to watch him come down the field and tie it up you're you're broken yeah that's the whole thing they were gassed out and they got caught up with it so 
it's going to be a tough off season because you know this was they were primed to win. If they beat Kansas City, I think they were going. Yeah, I think they were going easy. And you know what? You know what you can chalk this game up to McDermott and his two minute offense uh, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like I said, the the fact that this happened all late. What else can you really say? Yeah. Like I mean, I, it drove me nuts watching because this game was in our hands and we let it go. And Kansas City, I don't think was the better team today, and I think the they're going to go and they're going to. I'm hoping Cincinnati pulls something off, but I think it's going to be Kansas City going back to the Super Bowl because they looked it. They looked poised. Even when they got down in field goal range, you saw how many of their linemen. I saw this on one of the shows, and I agree too. All of their linemen were immediately screaming about timeout. Like yeah. They were ready for the moment. They were ready. To, they've been so playoff experienced that for the Bills, I, it was a little kind of puzzling. They didn't see that they were that calm. Yeah. But this is something we're going to have to fix in the offseason. Uh, it's going to be a little different, though. I mean, I we know that a couple of the coordinators are up for coaching interviews. I'm not sure exactly what the latest is there. Hey, listen, NFL teams, that defensive quarter, I wouldn't fucking touch him. Well, I think with Frazier, you got to ask some questions. Like, if he left, I think the Bills should make a run for the Baltimore one that just got released. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that would be a great upgrade. Yeah. But they're going to need to do something, especially they're going to need to fix that running game. Because, yeah. I, you know, if you're expecting Singletary to keep pulling magic out, we need to get somebody in there. We need to upgrade the offensive line a little bit, too. And then defense, I mean, this is a problem we're going to start experiencing. Contracts are going to start coming up. But I have full faith in Brandon Bean to do something. So it'll be an interesting off season, and at least I don't have to break a table again. So it'll be fine. A lot of football to discuss, so hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH Podcast. What is your thoughts about the NFL divisional playoffs this weekend? Who do you think really stood out and why? And give us your picks about who you're going to have going to the Super Bowl after the next week's games. We definitely want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie where we ask, are you game for a movie? Tell me, Andre. There's no special features on that goddamn DVD. All right? Oh, wow. For Hansel and Gretel? Hansel and Gretel. The DVD. Yeah. Hansel and Gretel. She basically has sex with it. Somehow. Uh, foreplay. Yeah, yes. She's, for, she's chair foreplay. Yeah, I mean, they knocked out of the park, which is why it's my number three. So. <gasps> oh! oh. <laughs> yes. I mean, I wouldn't be in it because this movie doesn't have women. But, you know, that's you why I was making right. It has one. You, you would have three that. lines of dialogue. So so how much? Three. Oh. oh, okay. So I'm actually going to get, like, I actually get, like, I earn my, my, my four sentences of dialogue rather than, like, here, on a paycheck. You just stood there on the screen. You're a sexy lamp. Because they really hate each other, so we get to enjoy some wonderful comedic scenes of them hating each other so much that they get into physical altercations that include her biting detective, ex-detective Phillips's dick. Okay. But we don't. Okay. I, I know all of those words were English, but the way you <laughs> constructed yeah, them, I'm, I'm lost. Not, I'm not following the racism <laughs> very well. For those who haven't rated us or uh, liked or given us a review, don't say that we haven't given you anything of value after listening to this podcast. You now know the difference between an R-rated dick and an NC-17 X-rated dick. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to Game for a Movie, where we ask, "Are you game for a movie?" We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and let's talk some wrestling. Wrestling. This coming Saturday is the Road to WrestleMania's official kickoff, the WWE's Royal Rumble event. Uh-huh. 
So that being said is where the main events of WrestleMania are decided by the men's and women's Royal Rumble. Yep. A 30-person over-the-top battle royal for each that the winner gets to pick which champion they want to face on the night of champions of which one WrestleMania 1 or 2. Yeah, and, and it's pro- this is quite possibly my favorite uh, show pay-per-view they do of the year simply because you have surprise returns you know form you know the one i always remember was what was it 2015 2016 they were in philly mm-hmm. you had uh you had uh, one of the dudley brothers return you know to philly ecw countries that was like yo that was, that was cool to see you get what was it the hurricane a couple of years ago return when john cena was in the ring you get nxt co- sh- uh star showing up of course there was the one year adam cole Baby. Uh, showed up, you know, so you get that. But then there's also the unknown factor, like the one year AJ Styles showed up and nobody had any idea. It's one of the most historic nights of all wrestling because careers are really made or broken then. Uh-huh. Because you think about it, to get put on that big of a pedestal, especially if you're somebody that's rising up the card rank, Yeah, it's a big moment to have. And especially with so many memories that come from this, Yeah, that this can definitely skyrocket a career to, you know, astronomical proportions. So that being said, though, it's going down this Saturday, as we previously mentioned, on the Peacock Network. Yep. So you definitely want to watch that on your streaming services. And let us break down the card and give you our thoughts. Shall we, Pat? Uh, yeah, so the first match we're going to talk about is I'm not sure where this one's going to face because Roman has said he either main events or he doesn't go at all. So it's going to be real interesting where they put this. Uh, it is for the uh, Universal Championship match between Roman Reigns defending his belt against Seth freaking Rollins. And we have to know. Rollins and Kevin Owens did have a matchup uh, against the Uso brothers on Friday Night SmackDown where there was the stipulation if Seth won, Seth and Kevin won, you know, the Uso brothers would be barred from ringside, you know, for their matchup on at the at the Royal Rumble. But then Roman came with the caveat like, listen, if the Usos win, you lose your title opportunity. Well, Seth freaking Rollins won, and so you have the Uso brothers uh, banned from ringside. This one's a little interesting to see. Uh-huh. Because, obviously, Roman Reigns has been the biggest needle mover of all professional wrestling. Yeah. Seth Rollins is doing this whole drip god persona. The great dancing. Yeah, that he has just been this over-the-top character. And now they're facing each other yet again. Uh Uh-huh. And there's a lot that these two have obviously had history. I mean, coming up as the Shield and growing from there and doing that. That now, being stuck in this position, it's really interesting to see how this is all going to play off. Because... One, if Roman wins, well, he's going to be fighting the winner of the Royal Rumble. Yep. There's no question about that. Yep. If he loses, will this match be on before the Royal Rumble happens, and will he just force his way to enter the Rumble? Mm, that could be. Because that's something I think He's we done all, that before. Yeah, we, like I said, it's, it's not unheard of to do that. No. So you have to take that in precaution, too. Because if Rollins wins, I mean, that's a great moment, too. And I believe Rollins has said if he wins, he's not leaving Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Which will be very interesting. Yeah, that's it's going to be very interesting to see how they all play that out. I don't know necessarily how that all shakes down you know, to the networks and who they yeah. get, is their champion on which one, or would they go to the uh, you know heavily rumored unification match? That could I be. mean, that could be something, too, as well. And then could you just be. have your champions just appear where they need to. Yeah. I don't know. Like, this one, it's hard to bet against Roman, especially because, if I'm not mistaken, Seth is undefeated against Roman. Yeah, uh, of Seth's type main main title wins, so uh, WWE Championship and then Universal Championship, all of them have come against either Roman or Brock. Yeah. So this is going to be something that, you know, you, you, it's hard to pick against Seth, but I'm going to say this. I'm going to go with Roman yeah. to win. 
but I would not be super shocked if Seth won. But it all depends. If this is the opening match of the night, yeah, I'll, Seth is going to win and Roman's entering the Rumble and winning. Yeah, I'm going I'm to go with Roman too. I just, I just don't see him losing quite yet. Uh, next up is a mixed tag team match between Edge and Beth Phoenix taking on Miz and Maurice. Now, this match has really come out of nowhere, to be honest with you, but uh-huh. I'm all here for it. I, I think it's very entertaining that we're having the It Couple versus the Grit Couple. Uh-huh. And if you saw the go-home show on Monday Night Raw, Edge and Beth Phoenix completely tore through Maurice's birthday celebration. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that this is going to be Miz and Maurice. I mean, listen, as long as we get a brood entrance from Edge and Beth, I'm all right. I don't care who wins. As long as we get a couple brood entrance, I'm all fucking for it. Yeah, I think you're going to see that. But I think that the Miz has to win this one. Yeah. Because it seems like Edge has gotten the best of them every time out now. Yeah. So it's like, when is it going to go in his favor? That's, yeah. that's the way I look at it. From, you know, now that you have Maurice and Beth involved, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Edge. Uh, next up is for the uh, singles matchup for the WWE Raw Women's Championship, and this is between Becky Lynch and Dewdrop. So this one, I I always hate saying the word filler match. Yeah, but that's what I, it is. But it, it really is because they've been teasing a lot about Liv Morgan has just come off a program with Becky. Yep. Bianca Belair is due her rematch. It's not really happened. So Dewdrop is just kind of the fill-in spot. I know she won the opportunity on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. I don't see this program going any further right now, even though I nope. think Dewdrop's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I think that this will go in the favor of Becky Lynch because I think that she is going to be facing the winner of the Royal Rumble women's match. All right. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing. Uh, I, I Listen, it's no offense or anything against Dewdrop. She's a great wrestler. Piper Nevin's great. Yeah, she is. Uh, I just think this is, hey, we need something for Becky Lynch, and there's really not anybody we can plug in right now except mm-hmm. for you. So it's just a chance to Becky Lynch will get the win, but Dewdrop will definitely get the rub, and she'll get some shine. Uh, but I think Becky's going to retain it, and I agree with you that this is just so Becky can face the winner of the Women's Royal Rumble match. Yes. Uh, next up is a singles matchup for the WWE Championship with Brock Lesnar taking on Bobby Lashley for the first time ever. I'll tell you what, I'm super excited about this match. Yeah, I am. This has been long overdue. I mean, obviously, both gentlemen have taken their uh, uh, outside-the-ring activities to the MMA world. I didn't think Brock Lesnar could live the farmer gimmick anymore. And then he walked out in a cowboy hat last night. Yeah, no What bro- the shit? Brock is loving life right now. And it's great to see they're finally going to do him in Lashley. Yeah. I was hoping this was going to be for WrestleMania, to be honest with you. Yeah. But we get it early, so I'm super excited about it. <sighs> that being said, though, mm-hmm. I'm hoping Lashley wins. Okay. I really am hoping. Okay. But I think it's going to be Brock. It's it's probably going to be Brock. Less than nothing against Lashley, but it's, it's going to be Brock. Yeah, because I, I feel that depending on what goes on, like I say, if that Seth-Roman uh, match opens. Yeah. Then I think Roman's winning. I think he's going to challenge Brock. Yeah. That mania. That's going to be yeah. your WrestleMania match. Yeah. I just I have this bad feeling about yeah. that. Uh, next up is the thirty women's uh, thirty woman Royal Rumble match. Uh, this is obviously for a championship match of your of their choosing at WrestleMania thirty eight. And the announced entrants we have are uh, these women are from Monday Night Raw: Rhea Ripley, Nikki Ash, Dana Brooke, Carmella, Queen Zelina, and Tamina. From Friday Night SmackDown, you have Shotzi, Natalia, Aaliyah, Naomi, Shayna Baszler, and the SmackDown Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair. And you've also got uh, Hall of Famers Nikki Bella, Brie Bella, and Lita. Uh, you've also got Michelle McCool, Kelly Kelly, Summer Rae, 
Uh, you've also got Mickey James, the Impact Knockout mm-hmm. Women's Champion, uh, showing up. Uh, and then you've also got from Raw Bianca Belair and Liv Morgan announced for the matchup. So out of the out of the ones I mentioned, that's twenty one of the thirty entrants. It's an interesting field. Uh huh. I fully expect we're going to see a lot of NXT come through there. Yes. Uh, I would say Ra- Raquel Gonzalez. I think we're going to see. I think so. Maybe Dakota Kai. Yeah. Wouldn't um, be surprised if we see Mandy Rose. Yeah, Mandy. I would. We might, say, we might, you know what? We might see Toxic Attraction. I could see that. They're real over with the NXT crowd. I mean, that'd be a great addition. Um, if you whoever they want to bring up from NXT right now, I think would be a great yeah. addition. I don't know if they're going to tap into the quote unquote forbidden door. I think no. they've done that enough with Mickey coming back, and especially she's, gonna, she's coming out with the Impact World Championship. If, if, Christ, if she comes out with that championship, yo. That's a big move. That's a big move. And if you're trying to say that WWE is not willing to do the Forbidden Door, if they're going to allow her to come out with that belt, uh-huh. that is going to save volumes. Uh-huh. So this match, though, mm, how, how I think it should go or how I think it will go. Uh-huh. How I think it should go. I think you have Liv, Morgan, and Bianca Belair eliminate each other at the same time. Okay. And you have a match between those two in between now and WrestleMania. Winner takes Becky. Okay. What I fear is going to happen is Ronda Rousey comes back and wins the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. And you send a Ronda versus Becky. Yeah, that that's the rumor that's going around today. And that's the one I'm, I'm, I think is going to happen is... It's been rumored heavily that Ronda's going to be showing up uh, this Saturday at the Royal Rumble, and it's being heavily discussed, I guess, behind the scenes at WWE of having Ronda versus Becky uh, at WrestleMania because the last time we saw Ronda was at WrestleMania 35 or or whatever it was in New York. You know, um, so we haven't seen her since then, and she's been training. There's been photos and videos of her training. I mean, it's a good match. You know, is it the one I think should happen? No, but it's probably what we're going to get. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm fearing too. I'm I'm hoping for something different. I really want something different. Like I think I mean, the one I put in on DraftKings, you know, the free pool they got over on on DraftKings, uh, as I put Liv Morgan. Yeah, you know, that's what that's what I think should happen. But what, what or that's what I want to happen. But what I think probably Ronda. Yeah, see, I want Bianca to get there, but I like I said, the talk of Ronda coming back is just too much. That's Vince has wanted to have that one-on-one match. I just don't know if Ronda's ready since she's been away so long. I got. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There's there's so many variables going in with that. I have to wait and see about that. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, we have the men's Royal Rumble uh, match, which again is a 30-man Royal Rumble match uh, with an opportunity for a championship match of your choosing at WrestleMania. Uh, and the entrants announced as of uh, this recording are Angelo Dawkins, Montez Ford. Ray and Dominic Mysterio and Austin Theory from Monday Night Raw. Uh, also from Monday Night Raw, you've got Damian Priest, AJ Styles, Big E, Kevin Owens, Omos, Randy Orton, Riddle, Chad Gable, Otis, Dolph Ziggler, and Robert Roode. From SmackDown, you have Sheamus, Happy Corbin, Madcap Moss, Sami Zayn, and Kofi Kingston. And then in the Why the Fuck Are They Here entrant, Johnny Knoxville. Well, they think what they want to try to say is anything's possible in the WWE. Yeah. And that's that's why Knoxville's in there. He's like, Also, Knoxville known for taking weird bumps and uh, just look at jackass. Well, of course they're going to do something like that. It's going to be something wild. It's going to be something funny. <sighs> now, this one, I think, is kind of a little more wide open. Yes, because uh, as of the, I got to mention, as of the entrance I mentioned, uh, that is 22 of the 30. Well, I would say this. I think even money as Braun Breaker makes an appearance from NXT. He is rumored to appear along with, uh, I'm going to call him by the name I know him by, not his new name, Walter. 
Walter is... Oh, Gunther. Uh, yeah, uh, it is rumored that Braun Breaker and Walter, a.k.a. Gunther, are going to be making an appearance at uh, the Royal Rumble. I'd be okay with either. Yeah, uh, I would too. I'm not going to be mad as long as it's not Graydon Walter. Yeah. But I know they're big on him down in NXT. Yeah. They're super big about him. Uh, they listen to each their own. Uh, but I will say this, though. I think this does leave a uh, discussion for the f- real forbidden door. And uh-huh. will, will we see anybody from AEW come through? I think it's possible we could see uh, Jericho. You know, Jericho, I, from, you can correct me if I'm wrong, hasn't really been on AEW lately, if I understand correctly. No, he hasn't. Yeah, so he, you know, I could, I could see Jericho coming through. I mean, he was on the Stone Cold podcast, which was on Peacock via the WWE, so he's still, I would guess, on good terms with Vince. Otherwise, Vince wouldn't let Stone Cold do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think of the one, now I know Moxley got name dropped on SmackDown on Friday night. You know, that was something that was interesting to hear because Seth could have said Dean. He could have said Ambrose, but he specifically said Mox. Yeah. You know, I I don't think it'll be Mox. Uh, I think if anybody from AEW shows up, it'll probably be Jericho. I'm actually going to say it is going to be John Moxley. Okay. I think that right now, if they're going to send anybody AEW, I think Moxley would make the most sense. If anybody, I'll put I'll put it this way. If Jericho shows up, the internet will freak out, but it won't be to the degree it could go to. If Moxley or somebody else shows up, the internet and the internet wrestling community is going to have a full-blown meltdown. Oh, yeah. If Moxley comes walking out there, they, they absolutely will. But I think that fits more to his character because he's not in a storyline per se right now. Right. They just started building one with him and Daniel Bryan. Sure. On uh, AEW. So Jericho, I mean, would make a lot of sense, too. Yeah. Would they let him come out to Judas? No. No. No, he's, you come out to break the walls down and, you know, you... I don't know how that would go over. Yeah. Like at this stage of the day. I would say though, I would not doubt maybe just maybe we get an appearance from somebody else from another organization. Maybe an Impact World Champion. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't doubt seeing Moose come through. He's been talking about having a match with Roman. Yeah, I mean, that would be something they could do. I mean, if they if I would say this, if they really wanted to get the internet buzzing. Uh-huh. There are two people I think that they could really do uh, a huge boom, and you'd really see a, a seismic shift. Uh-huh. One would be Okada yeah. from New Japan. Yeah. And like I say, this is fantasy booking 101. But if you got him in there, because I know that we, we've talked about this on 607 TWS a lot, how New Japan really wants to expand into the American market, New right. Japan strong and, and such. If you got Okada in there, trust me, the internet fans would explode. Yeah. You know, just for one night, doesn't have to do anything, but that's a huge push for him. Yeah. I think the other one, outside of AEW, and I know as wild as this would sound, and just if you want the, the internet fans to break, it was put Nick Gage in there. Oh, my God. I mean, he, he he can't come in with a pizza cutter. He can't come in with anything, but just Nick Gage coming through. Oh, my God. Would be insane. That'd be great. But, you know, like I say, because WWE, it's not out of the realm of thought. With no. them, especially with GCW coming off one of the biggest indie shows this past weekend. Yeah. With the world on GCW. Yeah. It's not super crazy to think that. No, it's not. And and you got to think they're looking to make some big waves with everything the way that it's been going the last. You know, I know, I know SmackDown's been doing fucking great in the ratings, you know, two point whatever million and Raw's been doing fine. Mm-hmm. You know, but just with as many waves as AEW has been making in headlines and social media and videos and all that all that stuff, you gotta figure Vince wants to take the reins back a little bit. Well that's why I say he's gotta go big with this. I mean the only other person I think they could pull off just to come in 
like I say, just for a 10-minute spot in the Rumble as Kenny Omega. Yeah, which would be wild. Oh, yeah. I've been saying, if you could get somebody that's not WWE to come in and just do something for 10 minutes and yeah. get them out of the ring. Yeah. That's enough to draw a buzz, enough to move the needle. Like, it's crazy enough to think about, but it's not out of the realm of thought. I don't think anybody that they're going to bring in is going to win. Like, I don't think no. yeah, even if Moxley shows up, he's not going to win. No. Like, it's just not going to happen. Because I was going to say, unless they want to really pull some weird shenanigans and get Moxley to headline Mania against Seth and Roman, and have the Shield triple threat match yeah. that was long talked about. The only other one I could see maybe winning is if Moose were to come in. Because he's been talking a lot lately about having that match with Roman. Like, it just hasn't been a one-off. Like, oh, yeah, I'd have like that match. Like, it's been persisting for a while. Yeah, he's been really pushing it. I just see the only thing is I don't know if they would do that spot there. Sure. Like, they might do something where there's an altercation backstage. And they and I wouldn't doubt them doing something like on the pay-per-view before WrestleMania. Yeah. Or, you know, like, uh, if there's not one, the Elimination Chamber, I know, is going back to Saudi Arabia. Yes. So it would be, like, somewhere in between. Sure. Like, you know, they do that spot. Or even, I mean, I don't know if they would ever send Roman to Impact. I mean, that would be the biggest Impact show on history. Yeah, it I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah, it would. But I think that it's not all the Roman thought. Maybe you'll see a seed planted there. But I think overall, my the winner I'm going to have for this one is Big E. Okay. I think that you could really set up Big E versus either Lesnar or Roman, and that's a big match to do. Uh, Biggie's good, but I think it's got to go to the one person uh, that has been announced that you know hasn't won a uh, uh, Royal Rumble yet, and it's kind of the last thing he's got under his uh, resume, I guess you could say that could really round it out quite nicely. And let's face it, he doesn't have that many more years ahead of him that I think AJ Styles. I'd be okay with that. Uh, AJ Styles, you know, he listen. The man has done damn near everything he can in WWE. You know, short of main eventing WrestleMania, you know, and having, you know, and winning a Royal Rumble. He can check off both of those things in one night. I, the only question is who would you go face then? Roman or Brock? Or Brock? Uh, Because mm. I thought he's already faced Brock. He has already faced Brock. I, what was it? It was at the, at the, uh, one of the Survivor Series. Yeah, right? it was something like one that. Of, one of the Survivor Series. Um. So, so you'd have to face Roman. He'd have, you'd figure he'd have to face Roman, which would be all right. It'd be all right, too. I mean, I just I don't know if they would necessarily go that route. But that's the great beauty of the Rumble is you just don't know. It's going to be one of the most talked about events of all 2022. Uh-huh. And where everybody shapes into the form of the WrestleMania roles is going to be anybody's guess. I mean, that's uh-huh. the thing. It's like this is where the cards really get shaped up. And you're going to find out, okay, what is the program? Who's going to be making it on both nights of WrestleMania, which, thank God, they're doing two nights again. Yeah. It's going to be a fun night to be had this Saturday night, so you definitely want to be watching on Peacock if you have not watched or not subscribed already. You want to make sure you take care of that sooner than later. And obviously, we'll be reporting on that all weekend on ODPH social media, 607 Podcast social media. And we're going to do a little more deep diving on that 607TWS this week. So that all being said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your predictions for this year's Royal Rumble from the WWE? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideman Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cruise I wanna 
Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got for the local minute? Got to talk, obviously, a little Binghamton Black Bears hockey. Uh, looking at the standings, they are currently in fifth place with a record of 15-13. and 13. They've got Carolina, Columbus, Danbury, and Watertown ahead of them. Uh, and then looking at their schedule from this past week, uh, on Friday, January 21st, they want, they beat Delaware by the final score of 8-5. to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then Saturday, they beat uh, Danbury in overtime by the final score of 5 Five to four. Uh, looking ahead to the games they have this coming week, if you're in the area, you got a couple of opportunities to see them in the 607 area. Uh, this coming Thursday, January 27th at 7 o'clock Eastern, they are at home playing the Danbury Hat Tricks. And then they are back home again on Friday, January 28th, 7 o'clock Eastern, playing the Delaware Thunder. Uh, and then on Saturday, January 29th, they are on the road playing the Delaware Thunder. Uh, they're not, and they're on, on a little bit of a uh, road stretch. They do not return home again until mid-February. So this is your last chance for about another, basically a month, to see the Binghamton Black Bears at home. Uh, for more tickets, information, and stats, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. Right on, and of course, Excite Wrestling has got that big show dropping on February yeah. 5th, so you want to make sure you swing on over to ExciteWrestling.com for more information on that. Yeah. All right, what you got for the last rolls, Pad? Uh, got to talk some baseball, because as we record about 45 minutes ago, it was announced who would be making it into the 2022 Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, and it's a real short list this year. Uh, making it in on his first ballot, or first year of eligibility, is one David Ortiz, uh, receiving 307 votes, or 77.9% of the votes. Uh, to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame, you need 75% of the votes. Uh, so David mm. Ortiz, obviously pro- a prolific, if not the most prolific, designated hitter in uh, Major League Baseball history. Also one of the few batters I legitimately feared coming to bat every time they were playing the Yankees. That like I saw him on deck, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, this ain't going to be an easy uh at bat hell of a player hell of a postseason career all the walk-offs and everything he did so congratulations to you sir uh obviously there are the three or four elephants in the room mm-hmm. on their last years of eligibility that being barry bonds roger clemens kurt schilling and sammy sosa uh if they did not make it in this year they would not make it in on the normal ballot uh barry bonds finished short uh with 66 percent of the vote Roger Clemens finished with 65.2% of the vote. And then also Sammy Sosa finished well short of the vote with 18.5% of the vote. So they are off the writers uh, association ballot. Now I did read someplace last night that there is still a chance for them to get in Mm -hmm. because I guess the modern committee, there are these committees that meet like once every five, 10 years and they pick, I don't know how their voting system works, but they have a voting system where they vote guys in. It is from the players, not the writers, the modern committee, so the committee that would meet on those players is meeting at like the end of the year or something like that. So there is a chance, there is still a chance that they get in, but they, like I said, they don't meet every year. They only meet once every couple of years. Mm. Uh, so there is still a chance for Bonds, Clemens, uh, Schilling, and Sosa to get in. Uh, some other notable names uh, figure worth mentioning. I won't go through the whole list. Scott Rowland uh, played with the St. Louis Cardinals, got 63.2% of the vote. Todd Helton, 52% of the vote. Billy Wagner got 51% of the vote. Andrew Jones got 41 uh, percent of the vote. Gary Sheffield got 40% of the vote. A-Rod on his first year of eligibility, 34.3% uh, of the vote. 
Uh, some notable names that fell off. Uh, you had Tim Lincecum fell off the ballot. He did. I think he needed to receive like five or seven percent of the vote to stay on the ballot to next year. Tim Lincecum only got two point three percent, so he is no longer on the ballot next yeah. year. Ryan Howard got two percent of the vote. Mark Teixeira only had one point five. Justin Morneau one point three. Jonathan Papelbon. Uh, 1.3. So there's and there's some notable names, but uh, David Ortiz, your lone selection to get into the Hall of Fame uh, uh, this coming year. Uh, he's joining the uh, elected for the Golden Days and Early Baseball Era committees. They elected Jim Cott, uh, Tony Olivi, uh, Oliva, and uh, Bud Fowler, Gil Hodges, uh, Minnie Minsono, and Buck O'Neill. Uh, they will all be inducted on April, or excuse me, July 24th, 2022 to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. No, I mean, kudos to Ortiz. Like, yeah. listen, as a Yankee fan, I hated seeing him play, but I, respect yeah, him. I, I respected him. And, yeah. you know, like, listen, he was clutching the postseason. He was very well liked by the media. He was yeah. very friendly with them. Like, he, like, he was in the same vein as, as, you know, Jeter. Trash talked a little bit more, but that was just his persona. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, for where you look at the rivalry between the Yanks and the Red Sox. Yeah. Ortiz is a, is a big part of that rivalry because of how good he played. And yeah. you can't take anything away from the man and his stats. And like yeah. I say, you might not be the biggest fan of him, but on the field he showed up, and that's the thing about it. So it's like it makes perfect sense for him to get in. I'm not mm-hmm. objecting to that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for the other ones, uh, I didn't think this was a strong class to begin with. No. To be honest with you. No. Like there's some great players for individual teams, but when I'm looking at you know who's the best of the best because that's what I treat the Hall of Fame as. There wasn't really too many names that stood out, and then for you know the uh, three that are on the last leg, so to speak, I don't know what's going to happen there. I yeah. just I don't I don't see it happening here, and I just I could be wrong, but I just I I don't think Bonds and company that's going to go down. It'll be interesting to see just because the players committee or the players always treat it a little int- more interestingly than uh, the writers do. So mm-hmm. I I could see them getting in through the players, but. Will it happen next year? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, looking ahead to the ballot uh, this upcoming year, next year, it's interesting folks making it on the ballot. You've got Carlos Beltran is going to be on there for his first time. Uh, you've got John Lackey, Jared Weaver, Jacoby Ellsbury uh, are going to be all on there for their first time. Johnny Peralta, Jason Wirth, uh, J.J. Hardy on there for their first time. Mike Napoli, Aaron Hill, uh, Bronson Arroyo, R.A. Dickey. God, I forgot he retired that long yep. ago. Uh, Eric Ibar and Carlos Ruiz are going to be on there for the first time. You know, So that'll be uh, very interesting to see. Yes, absolutely. So we're talking some UFC to close out this edition of the show. UFC 270 happened this past weekend. Uh-huh. A lot of notable headlines came out of this, but there's two fights we really want to talk about. So, Pat, let's break it down, shall we? Yeah, so the first one being the co-main event in the flyweight division uh, for the championship where Brandon Moreno was defending his belt against uh, Devson Figueredo. And you had Figueredo emerge victorious to become your and new UFC flyweight champion, winning by unanimous decision. This is the new fight forever. Yeah, it is. This legitimately is Moreno. There's, there's been, already been talk of a fourth fight between the two, and I'm like, yeah, sure, okay. They want to do it. And, in fact, I think they said they want to fight in Mexico. Uh-huh. To I've do heard it. that. Which, listen, for a flyweight division that's missing star power, these are your two best ones you have in the UFC right now. Yeah. And I know they have some guys that are coming up in the ranks that can maybe give a run to one of these two gentlemen. Sure. But until then, like... They fight forever. Do it. I mean, they're, they put on a great show. I mean, the unanimous one, I don't necessarily would have gone. I would have gone with a split decision. Sure. But I can see why they went unanimous. It was, it was close, though. 48-47 all the way across. Yeah, like I said, it was it was very, very close. Yeah. But 
like I say, I I would have maybe done a split, but I can definitely see why they did what sure. they did. And you know what? It's a it's a win for both because Moreno's name is still ringing, yeah, very very hot right now as a name to watch. And Figueredo returns and gets the belt back. Yeah, and hey, it was apparently good enough because it did earn fight of the night honors. So both fighters got uh, fifty thousand dollars bonuses. Yeah, kudos to them. Yeah, uh, and then obviously the other one we got to mention is the main event for the heavyweight championship where you had uh, champ Francis Ngannou defending his belt against the interim champ Cyril Gan. Uh, and Francis won by unanimous decision uh, 48-47, 48-47, 49-46. So this one had a lot of headlines going into this. Uh-huh. Now it's been back and forth about the contract status of Francis Ngannou. Yep. So according to the interview that I have called up from MMAfighting.com, okay. uh, to quote exactly, the 35-year-old Cameroon native is still the heavyweight champion after a gutsy win over Sergio Gan and believes he has filled, fulfilled his contract to the UFC. He is willing to sign another one, but only if the promotion makes concessions to the longstanding business practices. Okay. So like I said, that's from MMAfighting.com. All right. So... I know that he's been very unhappy about his deal. Sure. Um, and if he feels that this is it, he is currently the champion. He might not come back to defend it in the UFC. Uh, this fight, the scariest thing about this is he's now learned wrestling. <laughs> yeah, he has. Which is like the most dangerous man on the planet oh, has now fuck. learned a new, another tool. Like this. Yeah. Is, and really neutralized Gon, who uh, like Gon was definitely in this fight, but Nganu is just on a different level. So the question becomes, where do we go from here? And especially with Nganu fighting on a torn ACL. Yeah, or MCL, yeah. Or some kind of, he had an injury going in the One fight. of the ligaments in his knee was torn. Right. So now it's, what do we do from here? And I know that there's a lot of talk about uh, Nganu wants to box Tyson Fury. Yeah, and I, Fury wants to box him. And oh, Fury wants that fight too. Like, yeah, that's, that's a lot of dollar bills. That's a big money fight in boxing too because... As we talk about how when Brock Lesnar came to MMA, yeah. a lot more audience came with him from the wrestling scene. Sure. You're going to have that same effect from MMA to boxing. Yeah. But the thing is, he's like Ngannou is not on the level of Conor McGregor. No. But he's still a name that fighters, are, I mean, people know as, as oh, the yeah. top fighter. Oh, yeah. They'll go watch this. This will cause a big spike in pay-per-view. There's, there's obviously some overlap between pro wrestling boxing and MMA, mm-hmm. you know, especially with the fans, you know, obviously Tyson Fury, he did the wrestling stuff. He does the boxing stuff, you know, and then you've got, uh, Nganu who does the MMA stuff, but he wants to try some boxing stuff. There's obviously some overlap with the fans that like some watch two, some watch all three, but there's a lot of folks who just watch one. You want to get a lot of eyes on the boxing that maybe not have high me. I don't watch a hell of a lot of boxing mm-hmm. outside of a couple of mi- uh, the big fights, you know, Mayweather Pacquiao was one and then Mayweather McGregor was another one. You match those two up, I'll fucking watch. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing. That you have two guys that are going to go in there and just throw hands, and it's going to be insane. Yeah. Like, that's what you want to see from here. But Nganu, I think, understands right now that if the money isn't right for him, and he, and he knows that he can draw box office. Yeah. he Like, this is not something that he's just overstaking his own value. He knows he can move the needle. Yeah. So if he is technically free from his contract, as it's sounding, this is almost like reminiscence. And I know Ariel Hawani had the meme up. Of CM Punk leaving the WWE with the, yeah. with the belt way back when. I mean, I didn't see the tweet, but I did have the thought of like Alundra Blaze dropping the belt into the trash can on WCW. I now I don't think that's going to happen. No, he won't. But that that thought did cross my mind. Well, the only the only question that you have to ask now is when he leaves. Yeah, 
He's going to leave a fight with John Jones on the table. Like, yep. let's face it, that's the only other guy he can fight right now in the heavyweight yeah. division. We yeah. we kind of were talking about this. Okay, so he's leaving that fight on the table. Yep. He can definitely get a lot more money to do the Tyson Fury fight. But after that, at his age, 35, yeah. what else is there for Ngano to do? I think the boxing thing makes a lot of sense. Sure. I know that there's a lot of bad blood right now between both sides. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, yeah. Dana White had uh, did not present him with the belt on Saturday night. Yeah, that did happen. So that, that's why I say, like, when you're sitting there watching this. I mean, I'm looking at the top ten rankings on UFC.com slash rankings. And without looking them up and spending probably five minutes, just off the top ten, I think he's fought one, two, three, four, five, six of them. Mm-hmm. You know, gone he beat. I know he's fought Miosic. Probably he fought Lewis. Probably fought Blades. Probably fought Volkov. Rosenstruck, he's probably fought. After that, it's I don't think he's fought them, but like it wouldn't surprise me. That's the one scary thing is like the heavyweight division, he's more or less cleaned out. Because so, there's usually not this guy standing on top of the division for that long. It's usually a lot of turnover. Right. I mean, the heavyweight division, you don't have a king that stays up top there for a while. No. But Nganu, I mean, the closest we had was Miosic, who'd won three in a row there. Yeah. So Nganu has got a lot of moves going on. Like, yeah. do I see him coming back? It could happen if, if Dana's willing to meet whatever concessions he has. Yeah, but you know Dana's stubborn, though. Dana does not like to back down. That, and, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, the fact that... He did not, you know, uh, hand the belt off yeah. at the end of, yeah. you know, the, the fight. I think it's it's telling, and I think that, unfortunately, as sad as it is. Uh, Dana can be petty like that. Yeah, I mean, this is nothing new. So, like I say, I'm not there going, oh, my God, I can't believe he didn't do this. Yeah. I can fully see this doing, yeah. him doing this. It's just a matter of, like, do you really want to go that route and really not, you know, be able to work in that situation. Now I'm watching the replay now. No, he did not give him the belt. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Yeah. So it's, this is a weird situation that will Dana's pettiness drive another fighter away. Like we all know about the bad blood with him and Chris Cyborg. Yeah. It, it, listen, if it drives him away, it would not surprise me. Oh, it wouldn't either. But here's the thing. It's like, if he can get out of his current contract, I think whatever money he's going to quote unquote lose from the UFC, he'll make he'll, back and yeah. tenfold on that fight with fury. Yeah. Like, I think the boxing money, like, love it or hate it, is is there for a reason. It's kind of crazy at this day and age that the MMA f- stuff is so low, but a lot of that is incentive-based, too, when mm-hmm. you start breaking the fight of the nights and all that, yeah. you know, all that jazz. It's a weird setup of how they have it, but for Nganu to take the belt and run, he I'm not going to say he's going to hold the division up in hostage. Because no. I think what he's, no. he's ultimately going to do is, like, if you give me my freedom, take your belt, I don't care. Yeah. And you know what? I think that's the right play to do. Yeah. A lot of headlines to watch with that one. Yeah. So the other one I think we got to mention just real quickly, uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov. He's paid, but it ain't by the hour. 47 seconds submission with a guillotine choke. God damn. Kid's legit. The man ain't paid by the hour. No, no. He stays on this path. <sighs> did, did earn a performance of the night bonus. Yeah. There, I mean, like I said, the UFC 270 didn't have that many crazy headlines, except every, all eyes were on Nganu to see oh, what happened yeah. after, at oh, the end yeah. of that fight. And I tell you what, it's, it's going to be a messy divorce between him and the UFC oh. when that goes down. So yeah. keep your eyes on that social media for that yeah. one. Before we close out of here, obviously we got to give the NFL predictions for who's going to go to the Super Bowl this championship weekend. Yeah, so uh, taking place first at 3 p.m. Eastern on CBS is the AFC championship game. This between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, currently, the line is a Kansas City by seven points. Well... I hope Cinderella strikes. I really think Joe Burrow can hang with uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. 
But the thing that scares me is you got a bunch of players in there. This is their first time in the playoffs. I mean, they're playing with house money, so this can go one of two ways. Either it's going to go in their favor and they can run rough shot, or they're going to come up against a team that is poised and ready for the moment, and Kansas City is. It's a scary thing to think about, but I do have to say I'm rooting for Cincinnati, but I'm going to say Kansas City wins this possibly by seven. Uh, I'm listen. I'll do respect to uh, Cincinnati. You've had a hell of a run. You know it's been a great season for you. You're well ahead of expectations. I would say, possibly the fastest turnaround in NFL history. You know, two years. One of them, yeah. Two years, and you're already you know in the AFC Championship game. But that being said, Kansas City's a whole different ball uh, wax. They're a whole different animal. You know, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are good, but Kansas City's just going to torch that defense up something fierce. It it it, it might get ugly. You know, it's it's got the potential to be ugly. I'm going to say Kansas City. Yeah, uh, we'll have to kind of wait to see how it shapes up. And then the final game of the weekend. Yeah, so this is uh, for the NFC Championship. Uh, this is taking place at uh, at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox. And this is between the San Francisco 49ers and the L.A. Rams, uh, where it is currently, as we record, the Rams by three and a half. I would take the Rams all day in this one. I know this is going to be a lot closer because the 49ers' defense is legit. Yeah. And obviously, if you can slow down Aaron Rodgers, you can do great things. But the, Matthew Stafford is playing on a different level right now. Uh-huh. And I think that now with him, with a chance to go to the Super Bowl, he's got one shot. Do you take it or you let it slip? Yeah. I think Jimmy G and company are going to be game for him. I think they're going to definitely step up and give him problems. Jimmy G just has to actually – the offense just actually has to score a touchdown. But here's the problem. Can that offense keep Aaron Donald out of the backfield? Hell no. That's the thing. Hell that, no. that offensive line, I think, is going to struggle with him all day. I think Garoppolo has got his best shot, and that's to go heavy to George Kittle quick. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to be enough. At the I, same token, though, you're going to need Kittle to block Donald some of those points. Yeah, that's the problem. And that's, that's going to be the issue. You're going to take away Kittle because he's going to have to block Donald. And if Debo Samuel's not 100%, that's uh, something else they're going to have to keep an eye on. Yeah, Debo Samuel currently listed as questionable. Yeah, so if, you, if Debo's not in this game, it's a wrap. I'm going to put it out there right now. But if he's ready to play, and I think that he knows this opportunity does not come around that often, he's going to definitely suit up and play. I still like the Rams. I like them by seven as well, too. Okay. I'm going to go yeah, I'm going to say through. the Rams, too. Be a fun weekend of football, and then we start talking the road to the Super Bowl. And the greatest halftime show of all time. Oh, bring it on. I'm waiting for that. Because that all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that of Brian Wolf. He has a brand new single out. We'll be playing that at the end of the show. But, Pat, if I want to find out about what's going on with Brian, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over the music section. Check out everything going on with him. Everything going on with Shout at the Robots. Everything going on with Tom Jolo, who you hear on the Pod Raid TikTok video that we drop each week. The song Twilight Zone is kind of what we're using for it. Rave reviews. So you definitely want to go support everything Tom's doing. Second Suitor, Yard Party. Floodlands, the list goes on and on because they're all fantastic musicians. Go check them out. Also, while you're at the website, check out the directory. We're Pad. Where are we located now? Uh, like 15,000 uh, places. Yes, and four. So you want to find the ODPH on your favorite podcast provider, go over the directory, find it, and click play, click follow, click everything, five star, and right there we are. And if we're not on your favorite player, tell us where that is, and we'll go see about fixing that for you. That's what we do here. Also, while you're on the website, check out the Classifieds. It has friends of the show, organizational links, support, and Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages. So shout out to the Inner Circle, shout out to the Apollops, and shout out to 8122 Productions and 607 Podcasts. All of that, the T Public Store, Parlay Points, a ton of blogs this week. This is what happens when you're recovering from COVID. You have time to write. Be on the lookout for them, folks. 
They're hot off the presses. They're, in fact, one is getting an extreme amount of traction right now, Pad. Oh, yeah? And it's a review, which we'll talk about tomorrow on the Entertainment Edition. So you want that information, you definitely have to make sure you're following. But for everything that is the ODPH, it's very simple, odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. For the one only, Paddle one J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you again to everybody who sent the well wishes in on my COVID recovery. I'm back in action and can't wait to be back on the microphone a little more often this week. So thank you again for all the positivities and fuck COVID all day, every day. And thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. Way back.